Hello and welcome to another edition of the PHNX D-backs podcast right here on PHNX. My name is your mayor of PHNX, occasionally known as Derek Montia. And this guy's back. Look at him in the flesh. Not, giant, no more, giant blurry Jesse, No more right? giant blurry Jesse. <laughs> it's, it's white hot Jesse in real life. It's the one and only Thunderstick Jesse Friedman. It's good to be back, Derek. Good to have it's you good back. to be back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The ocean was great. Was it? There, there came a point when uh, I just wanted to be back here and not relying on internet for, for everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, being back in person. You has look its like perks. you're still so cold. Are. are you still cold? What's it's like 55 here? degrees today. Oh, man. Come this on is, now. This is Phoenix. This it, is Phoenix. It's probably colder here than it was in San Diego, yeah, if anything. It's weird, but yeah. I love it. I love it. Anyway, welcome you guys in. Thank you guys for being here in the chat. Of course, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And, of course, we are going to be talking about shipping some guys out of the NL West that probably won't happen. But first, let's talk about who we might be bringing into the NL West. The D-backs have somehow emerged as the front-runner to land 28-year-old Japanese right-hander Shintaro Fujinami, who actually at one point was compared to Shohei Otani at least on the pitching side, is he also a dual threat uh, with a no, bat in his hand? No, I looked at his career offensive stats, and he's hitting like 100 with Shucks. a whole bunch of strikeouts. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not not the two-way threat that Shohei Otani is. But, yeah, it, it's been a while since they've been compared. So I don't want to make it sound like the Diamondbacks sure. are the front runners to land Shohei Otani 2.0. Right, yeah, but, he's definitely uh, changed. His career numbers have gone down quite a bit. He's had some yeah. rough patches, but could still be a viable right-handed arm for the Diamondbacks out of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they were compared like back in high school um, and Fujinami's 28 years old now. So, you know, I mean, that was that was kind of a long time ago. Um, Fujinami, though, I mean, he's had he's shown flashes of throwing 100 miles an hour Um, this past year. It sounds like he sat mid 90s, but did touch, you know, triple digits, apparently a few times at least. Um, It's also probably worth mentioning. And I didn't put this out there when I originally tweeted about this for my personal account. Uh, Fujinami actually spent some time in the Japanese equivalent of the minor leagues uh, this past season yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so he, he's not, you know, it, it's not Shohei Otani, right? I mean, this guy, this guy uh, has struggled with command in a pretty big way over the last few years. Um, but this year, when he was back up um, in the in the NPB and sort of the major league equivalent um, that they have in in Japan, right. he put up pretty good numbers. He had an ERA of three point three eight. Uh, 66 and two thirds innings, 65 strikeouts, uh, 21 walks. So his walk rate was actually reasonably low. So I think there's a lot of reason to believe that he's taken some steps forward. And I think that's why the Diamondbacks would be interested in him. I think that he also fits the mold a bit about what the Diamondbacks are looking for. Somebody that has shown some incredible promise at one point in his career and even achieved success. Maybe has had some down years in between there and now, but maybe they feel like pairing him with the coaching staff and the infrastructure that they have in place within the organization could maybe bring uh, some of that out of him. Also, he was a starting pitcher. So now maybe uh, in a, in a bullpen role that he might be able to have a, a yeah. similar level of production. He also yeah. throws those triple digits. So putting triple digits up on the board is a, is a requirement right now for the Diamondbacks yeah. as far as their bullpen goes. <laughs> yeah. If you've never thrown a hundred miles an hour, Get the Diamondbacks probably don't care about yeah. you. Uh, no, yeah, there, there are still some people out there, I think, who could maybe see Fujinami emerging as a starter at some point. Um, but I don't think I, I would be surprised if that's the way the Diamondbacks view him. It seems like, you know, maybe he's kind of a fringe starter in the NPB, but coming over to the major leagues, he probably fits in better, um, as a back end reliever, which again is exactly what the Diamondbacks are looking for, right? right. They want guys yeah. who have big time stuff. Um, it's a fastball and a splitter. 
um, which Mike Hazen uh, sort of raved about Justin Martinez's splitter as being a guy who played in the AFL that we've talked a lot about. Um, there aren't that many splitters in baseball anymore. It's a pitch that that not that many guys throw. And so I think that might be another point of appeal here is like, hey, this guy, his main out pitch is a pitch that major league hitters aren't really used to seeing. And that could also work in the in the D-backs favor here. So nothing is done um, officially, I believe he has until January 15th to sign. That's the, the posting deadline. Um, this article, which was written in a language that I do not speak, um, <laughs> although I, it was fun putting it in Google Translate oh, and trying to, trying to kind of, yeah, trying to kind of piece together what it was saying, but it appears to talk about $2 million or more, um, as being the average annual value. It doesn't make any indication about how many years a potential contract would be and it doesn't necessarily sound like anything is super close but it does point to the diamondbacks as being the team that is most likely to sign fujinami so we'll just kind of have to uh wait and see wait and see what happens there's also like a posting fee which as long as the contract stays below 25 million yeah which it seems like yeah Yeah. 20 percent up to 25 million i don't see any scenario where this contract winds up being more than that so yeah whatever the contract is add 20% to it and that's what the Diamondbacks are actually having to pay in order to in order to get Fujinami. Do you know why he can't see that? It's because the Diamondbacks don't have blank checks that they're just giving out to their general manager to buy whoever they want. So unlike several other uh, national uh, league teams. Yeah, right. Yeah, like <laughs> let's specify National League West teams at this point too. <laughs> what are the San Diego Padres going to do with Fernando Tatis Jr., Jesse? I know you brought up uh, in the past that what you could you see happening with the Padres yeah. in the future is him returning to the outfield, which is very possible, very, very viable. It makes that lineup just this murderer's row of hitters. But it really uh, is a murderer's trade rumor, row. Trade rumors are swirling a bit about <laughs> maybe the Padres dealing uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. to the only team that could possibly take on a contract that in of like six years is going to be $36 million dollars. Every single season. I wonder about the Texas Rangers. You oh, know? yeah, that's you, right. you know they're always down yeah, for a $300 million shortstop. They're trying to so. hit a billion dollars is what the <laughs> Rangers are trying to do for sure. But uh, what are your thoughts on these rumors? Do you think it's just kind of like, again, speculation based on the fact that now they have technically three shortstops yeah, and yeah. they're paying them all a shit ton of money and it kind of makes sense for them after what Tatis has kind of put the team through based on his choices, his decisions, his... Uh, knack for riding motorcycles uh all of that has led to maybe him kind of wearing out his welcome in san diego a bit yeah i don't really see there being anything to this at the end of the day um i i'm not sure if the rumors really came from a credible source but there was somebody coming out and saying that the yankees were you know were interested in fernando tatis i don't see that happening it sounds like um, it sounds like there's not really much to this, frankly. I think the Padres are looking forward to having him back next year and um, trying to get his career off on the on the right track, right? I mean, when he's been on the field, Fernando Tatis has consistently been one of the best players in baseball, you know, from the age of 21 or, or whatever it, it was when he first came into the big league. So uh, I don't know if his trade value is necessarily at a peak right now either, just given all of the things that have gone down in, in the last year. Um, so yeah, I, I don't view the relationship between Tatis and the Padres as being fractured enough that it's like, you have to make a move. And I, and I think that's the only scenario where the Padres actually would consider moving him. In another, in other news, uh, for the NL West, I really dug the fact that John Heyman sent out a tweet talking about a mystery team emerging 
for Carlos Rodon. And then in the tweet, he it's the Cardinals. He announces it's the Cardinals. So not much of a mystery there. But uh, St. Louis Cardinals are in on Rodon, which could honestly make them a National League favorite for World Series if they're not already considered in the top, you know, five mm. teams. But I can't. With, with how they performed last year, the additions they've already made, and a Carlos Rodon as part of their rotation, I, I can't see the St. Louis Cardinals not being at least one of the top teams uh, as far as a favorite goes. But on the other side of this, is is this a gigantic disaster for the Giants at this point? Like, not only were they trying to get better, they were going after the biggest names in free agency. They haven't been able to acquire any of them, but now here they might be losing their very own big-name uh, free agent. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals and Carlos Rodon. Um, I I think Carlos Rodon is probably going to get more years than he should. Um, this is a guy who's had major shoulder problems and shoulder issues are things that generally uh, teams don't mess around with. Like that's a pretty that's a pretty significant thing. But um, but yeah, I mean the St. Louis Cardinals are a team that that has emerged in a pretty big way. I think over the offseason, getting Wilson Contreras from you know, their biggest rival in the Chicago Cubs. That was obviously a huge thing. Um, I don't I don't know if I would necessarily put the Cardinals in the category of like the favorites to land Rodon at this point. I think I'd still be a little bit surprised if that happened. But sure. um, but yeah, to what you were talking about with with the Giants, I mean, um, they haven't they haven't really landed like the big fish yet. Right. I mean, they have Mitch Hanniger. Uh, which I think was a, a fair move, a good move for yeah, them. I agree. But it's not going to move the needle very much, most likely. So if you're the Giants, um, losing Carlos Rodon would be a really rough start to your offseason in some ways. And, I mean, not only would you have to find a way to get that value back, but hopefully add an addition to that, which is really their their ultimate goal this offseason. So I still think the Giants are probably going to make a big move when when it's all said and done. And whether it's, you know, Rodon or Carlos Correa or whatever it looks like, there's a lot of different routes that, that they could go. If they don't, it could end up an offseason very much like the Red Sox, right? Where they their name was out there. They had their own priorities as far as free agents that they needed to bring back. Yeah. And they did not check any of the their Red boxes Sox, off though, their list. The Red Sox are losing talent that they've developed for years and years, right? Yeah. And I, I know the, the Giants, I guess, are at risk of losing Rodon, but Rodon oh, yeah. was, was a, a short-term... Well, he was a White Sox. Yeah, guy. he's a short-term asset for them, had a great year, but there's so many health questions with him that I could understand if the Giants were like, no, we'd, we'd rather go a different direction, which he would be hard to replace, but I think that might be something that's on the table for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Red Sox, what they've done is they've let Mookie Betts become one of the best players in the game, and they gave him away, essentially, right? They did not get yeah. good value in that trade. Yeah. Um, and now with Xander Bogarts, they're letting him walk, right? The Red Sox have been a big market baseball team, one of the most recognizable franchises in the sport for years and years and years. And for them to be the team that's like trying to Tampa Bay Ray their way into the postseason just doesn't make sense, right? Like hold on to your own talent. Hold on to the guys that have made your franchise what it's been over the last decade and they haven't done that. Um, so I, I know prices have been driven up and I, I know that, you know, these guys haven't been cheap. But there's a reason Red Sox fans are as angry as they are right now. We got some breaking news in the comments in the chat. According to Jeff Passan, Jeff Murphy has been traded to the Atlanta Braves. Jeff Murphy? Sean Murphy. <laughs> Sorry. That was a combination of those two things. Yeah, Sean Murphy, uh, who have we have talked about quite a bit, uh, has been traded to the Atlanta Braves. That kind of sucks. But I'm also glad that. The Diamondbacks didn't do anything drastic in order to acquire him. 
right? Yeah. That's one thing that we were a bit worried about. Uh, and obviously, we'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, in regards to news. the Red Sox, Chain Bloom, who is the Red Sox GM, does not have a good resume. And like you said, uh, the uh, NBC Sports Boston piled up uh, a lot of, of, of factors here, uh, including letting Bogarts go while gaining nothing in return, uh, trading bets for Verdugo, Downs, and Wong, trading Bien, ben, ben and Tandy for Cordero. Yeah, Ben and Tandy's the other guy. Prospects. Didn't re-sign Kyle Schwarber, signed Trevor Story to a six-year, $140 million deal for a guy that hit 238 with 16 yeah, home runs not and 66 good. RBI. Not good. So, yeah, not, not a good resume as far as that goes. But, hey, it, it, at least it's not us. That's all I can say, Arizona Diamondbacks fans. It could be worse. We could be the Red Sox. So, anyway, uh, before we move on, we want to make sure everybody knows Jesse is back. I know Jesse is continuing writing over at GoPHNX.com. <laughs> if you haven't gotten yourself a diehard membership, uh, go get the best membership in sports. Of course, we give you that free merchandise every year, 20% off over at the PHNXLocker.com. Not to mention the diehards only newsletter from our very own uh, vice mayor, the white hot Jesse Friedman. We also have our uh, invites to our events. And when we talk about invi invites to events, we have an incredible event coming up that we talked about on Thursday. Uh, it is the inaugural PHNX Tea Party at Dobson Ranch Golf Course. We are renting out the whole damn driving range, y'all. Come hang out with Big Drive Energy, the PHNX crew, and fellow diehards for a night of golf, food, drinks, contests, prizes. You're going to get beat by Jesse and Ping Pong. There's so much uh, fun to be had. Of course, our PHNX Suns crew will be hosting a watch party for the Suns versus the Timberwolves and more. Saul's in here. Saul's hot. He's ready. Remember, if you are a diehard member, you are getting uh, your... Uh, getting your discount. $36 for diehards, $45 per person for non-diehards. We have our foursomes at $160, $120 for diehards. So again, reason for you to sign up to become a diehard member. We're going to have unlimited range balls, uh, rental clubs, jumbo screen showing that Suns versus T Timberwolves game, and so much more. Uh, one free hour of range time and golf balls at Dobson Ranch to be used at a later date. And then mini games. Like I said, you're going to get beat by Jesse and Ping Pong. Is there ping pong? Um, there is ping pong. There's oh, pickleball. my god! Come out and get beat by Saul in pickleball. Come be get beat by me in cornhole. We'll have some contest entries, including longest drive. Saul will drive. beat you in pickleball. He will. And he <laughs> yeah, just learned the game. Will. He just learned the game. <laughs> uh, and, 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 as Saul, and as Saul pointed out last time, come drop your kids off for the free kids clinic provided for all kids 10 and under. And then go get your drink on. Of course. It's going to be a blast. Join us out there. And if before you do so, make sure to sign up for that diehard membership. You might just save enough money on that event alone for it to be worth your while. Uh, but come join us. We're going to be having a blast out there. Check the link in the description to reserve your spot right now. And for diehards, check the Discord for your special link where you'll save 20% off on this amazing event. All right, Jesse. We should probably talk about this Sean Murphy thing. We probably should talk about this. But, of course, right now, before we get onto that, if you're right now on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. We thank you guys for being here. Subscribe. We're breaking some news. Sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss when any of the other shows go live. If you're listening to us on your favorite audio podcasting app, uh, please subscribe to us there and leave us a review. We thank you guys so much for doing that. 
Uh, yes, we have to talk about this because Sean Murphy no longer an option for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I mean, now, what if the you know the Braves could just flip them to the no, no, that's not going to happen. Gonna happen. <laughs> These are it's not eBay, Jesse. It's not eBay, but uh, it trying is, to flip them and make a profit. Yeah, right. Just a quick quick flip. Maybe that maybe maybe the Oakland A's didn't ask enough. What what do we have any uh, details about this trade? We don't have any details, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, but yeah, this is a big this is a big fish to come off the board if you're if you're the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, we know, as as we've talked about in the past, that the Diamondbacks um, have discussed Sean Murphy with the Oakland A's, and it seems like, right, goes without saying, the Braves uh, sort of won this won this battle. Were able to offer a package that was more enticing to Oakland than the Diamondbacks were, and frankly, that's not all that surprising to me. Um, after we saw what the St. Louis Cardinals uh, were asked for from the, from the A's in a potential Sean Murphy trade, right? It was both Brendan Donovan and it was Lars Newbar. Uh, plus one of one crazy. of the Cardinals young young pitchers. It was a very, very high price tag. And like we talked about on that day, the equivalent of asking for that from the Cardinals would be asking the Diamondbacks for both Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy, essentially a move yep. that they never, ever would have considered. Right. So maybe the Atlanta Braves just, you know, have a, a little bit more depth in certain areas that the A's are, are enticed by. Um, it seems like the Braves have maybe the ability to trade some guys that that aren't you know, a part of like their their, you know, everyday roster, like their everyday lineup, the guys who are really, you know, doing the heavy lifting in the lineup and, and on the pitching staff for the Atlanta Braves. So, um, yeah, I think the Braves roster just probably lined up better uh, with the Oakland A's when it was all said and done. But, yeah, this is big for the D-backs. I mean, you're not getting Sean Murphy right now uh, as of right now. And also the Toronto Blue Jays, an interesting development there is that they got uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, right? The the Blue Jays signed Kevin Kiermeyer yeah. as a free agent, so so that door might have also closed yeah. as far as um, potential a potential trade matchup for the D backs. And you know we talked about Gabby Moreno, their their young catcher, as a possible target. So if you're if you're the D backs and you're trying to get a catcher, right, in exchange for one of your outfielders, things are things are closing fast. Things options are not are, options are disappearing quickly. Things are not looking good. Yeah, yeah, things are not looking good. And I do think that's that is unfortunate because. What I've been saying this whole time is that if you want to move the needle the most going into next year, you probably get a catcher because catchers are so few and far between. There are so few catchers in the league that have the kind of value that Moreno and Sean Murphy do. You have one of them. It's just a huge advantage over other teams. Whereas if you have Carson Kelly, you're going to be fine, right? You're going to get by. Um, but you're not really necessarily going to move the needle much uh, compared compared to other teams. So there are still other moves the D-backs could make. I'm sure you know there was like a third of the league had checked in on the Diamondbacks outfielder. So there's still trade suitors out there. But getting a catcher is going to be really hard for them at this point. And the uh, Brett Johnson in the comments says that they're uh, Jake from Talking Baseball sources that says three teams are involved within the trade with Milwaukee being the third team with that. Right. So that's. Uh, uh, very interesting. And also, what about Lil D? Uh, Travis Darno, you know, like the it's not like the uh, Atlanta Braves didn't have a catcher in their system. Yeah. The guy hit 375 in the playoffs for them uh, this season. So I, I'm sure he's probably involved in the trade because you're not going to carry both of those guys. So, right. Very, very interesting. And uh, of course, like Jesse said, it, once again, the options for the Diamondbacks are closing. It feels a bit like the options for the Diamondbacks are closing. Uh, just in general, very quickly, like they might have, you know, drugged their feet a bit too much, or maybe it's a case that they didn't get back in return what they wanted for some of their young guys. 
the Diamondbacks were not in a position to need to panic and move one of these outfielders. So right. I know we're going to have lots of questions about that. And I mean, there's no reason not to get to those right now. So you know what we do. Every day is Earth Day. Every week is Shark Week. And every Monday, we go to the mailbag. Let's go! Always something interesting in my mailbox. I try to get to everything in my mailbox. And then once in a while, there's a letter that makes me go, wow, wow, my mailbox. All right. Our first question is a pretty good one about our outfielders. It comes from Brian Abdallah uh, at Young Focus BA on Twitter. And he asks, Very this fitting. question is out of left field. <laughs> ha ha ha. Not actually what's going on with all these outfielders. Why are they still, why are they all still here? That's the question. Uh, and that's a great question. That is a great question. I think they're all here because the Arizona Diamondbacks, again, uh, still need a DH, still need to rotate outfielders, and aren't really in a position to panic to get rid of them. They're, yeah, they're, right. None of them are in a need to move kind of spot. I think it was just more of the the you know the market, especially for center fielders, was very, very scarce. There was not a lot of guys available free agency-wise, and the Diamondbacks have a surplus. So it was worthwhile to kind of, you know, make some phone calls, see, see what teams were offering. But in the end, I imagine that they didn't get what they wanted. Yeah. And I mean, there's still, I mean, I'm sure there's still trade discussions that are happening there. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, this doesn't, it's not over. this doesn't close the door, but I, I do think that with every, you know, name that comes off the board or every potential trade partner that comes off the board, like the Oakland A's sort of are in, in this situation, um, the, the chance of making a move probably does get a little bit less likely every, every time. Right. Um, and I think the Diamondbacks are okay with that. They've said repeatedly, like you were just talking about, they don't have to make a move, right? They could come back next year and bring back all the outfielders and, you know, finagle playing time with the DH spot. Uh, these these situations have a way of working themselves out with injuries and whatnot, right? right? Like the, the chance of going a full 162 with too many outfielders that are available and ready to play and playing well is not that likely. So I do think the D-backs have a route where they don't have to make a move. Um, but on the flip side, Mike Hazen has also said that like the D-backs have like this, they have this value, right? They have this, this thing that other teams need. And when you're in that position, man, you got, you got to capitalize, right? right. At least it, it feels like you should capitalize in that situation. Um, and so, you know, I don't know what the offers look like that the Diamondbacks are getting. Maybe these offers just aren't, aren't worth it. Um, and if, if that's the case, I don't think there's anything wrong uh, with with standing by and going into next year with a whole bunch of left-handed hitting outfielders and frankly I think a lot of D-backs fans are okay with that like I've seen a lot of people say like we don't want to see Jake McCarthy you know raking for some other team next year yeah. stealing 50 bases for some other team next year like if you deal one of these guys you have to be ready for one of them to come out next year with their new team and and become a stud right and embarrass or, you for dealing them away and make you regret yeah it, right? and i mean maybe you know you're gonna get someone someone back that has some significant value as well but you have to be willing you have to be ready to stomach some pretty difficult things if you move one of these yeah. guys and in some ways that's that's not a bad thing right kind of scooting around that and at least kicking the can you know from this offseason maybe it's something the team could revisit down the road we have experienced this before obviously but as jesse will point out to you even though it seems frequently that that the diamondbacks let go some, of somebody that goes on to be great elsewhere it's really not as frequent as as i think we believe it to be right it's like there, there are some cases there are some max scherzers out there there's gonna yeah. be your occasional guy that you absolutely regret but for the most part the diamondbacks absolutely uh have ha haven't had as many as it feels like they've had 
Uh, and our next question is already outdated, but we're going to go with it anyway. <laughs> this one comes from Edward Shore. Oh, uh, no. And Edward Shore says, who are you comfortable giving up in the Sean Murphy trade? Nobody now, Edward. Uh, but I, I like the second part of his question for sure. It says, and couldn't you argue the window should open now with Gallon under control for only three seasons? And that our miserly ownership sucks to eggs. Yeah, good shot at the ownership. But I will talk about the three years. I think yeah. it's important for that to be a, like at, at the forefront of the D-backs mind, the forefront of the front office. Gallon might resign here, and we will all rejoice, and it will be fantastic, and he'll get the money he deserves, and the Diamondbacks will open up their checkbook and, and pay that man his money. We should act in the meantime like that's not going to happen, and I feel like yeah. that's how they should be treating the situation is like that is not going to happen. They should be approaching this as though these three years with Gallon are the only three years that they're going to have this guy that probably will go on to be one of the best pitchers in baseball throughout his career, right? It's safe yeah. to say that. So I, I don't think that they have as long as sometimes we talk about because we often talk about the young prospects coming up and when the Jordan Lawler years are here and when the Drew Jones years are here. But those years may not involves that gallon being a part of this team once those names are yeah. part of the roster yeah in a way it's not that it's not that complicated right it's you've got three more years of zach gallon most likely like you said possibly could resign not something you should expect you've got three years of zach gallon are you going to make it count yeah. right yeah. are you going to try to take full advantage of having one of the best young starters in baseball over the next three seasons and the d-backs are poised to take a big enough step forward next year that you could make a case you could you should kind of start pushing the chips in, right? If the team is already projected to win about 84 games next season, you're within striking distance and you should probably be willing to put forth whatever assets are needed to try to get the team to the next level. So I think it's a great point. In some ways, it's like, yeah, these next three years for the Diamondbacks, just because of Zach Gallen, are very, very important for the team. Maybe that's the change of Mike Hazen's philosophy too. You know, we've talked, heard him talk about no longer trading for prospects, trading for yeah, you know, right. major league ready players or guys that are currently here at this level now. So I feel like that sense of urgency is is known within the organization, but it depends on if they make these moves. I still feel like they've been very active and they've been trying to make something happen. However, have you guys seen these contracts? Do you want any part of some of these contracts these other teams are giving out? Because I sure as hell don't. So uh, what else we got, Leah? Uh, Kyle Collins at Kyle Collins five on Twitter asks now that the major lefty outfielders are off the market. Does this raise the price of, for trade partners on a potential bar show or McCarthy trade? If so, how much? I think it does. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Jesse? I'll throw it. To I you. don't know if I would say raises the price as much as just like like the way that the market sorts itself out. There's kind of a natural order to things, right? Like mm -hmm. you need certain guys to be off the market before teams will, will pivot and go to other options, right? So I think in terms of timing, it's sort of like, yes, this is the Diamondbacks time. I don't know if I would necessarily say that the price is, is you know, going up more than we would have already expected. I mean, there's there's always going to be a certain driving up the, of the price that happens, you know, once the other mark once the other guys are off the market. But I will say Brian Reynolds is still out there as well uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I yeah. I think that's sort of He's the other a trade. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's sort of the other the other big name that maybe would need to come off the board before it's really like okay, the Diamondbacks are like that's the team you're going to go to if you need an outfielder. Uh, we're maybe not quite there yet, but we're definitely getting closer to that point. When you talk about a team losing its star players to other organizations, 
the Pirates need to be the team that you feel sorry for the most. Yeah. They are like the they are like Major League Baseball's minor league team in a way. They're like the farm Ooh, system yikes. for the rest of baseball. <laughs> well, think about how many great players have at one point been a part of the Pirates, especially guys yeah. right now that are are big in baseball, like on, on several teams. So, I mean, it's just again the, the diamondbacks at least don't have that so garrett cole pitching for the pittsburgh pirates is such a distant memory <laughs> right? like that feels <laughs> right. like another lifetime thank you. at this point thank you all right what else we got let's get one more in uh brett lee johnson asks what is something you value but would give up in a trade to swap steve cohen and ken kendrick uh, Brett would give up his entire Justin Martinez collection, basically, is what he's saying. I would say I'd part way with 95% of my signed memorabilia collection if I could make that happen. Uh, and they're yeah. all Justin Martinez. They're all right? Justin, Justin every Martinez single, is yeah. at least 95% Look, of his collection. I, so. I get it. I get it here. One <laughs> one thing I want to stress that's important is uh, the Diamondbacks wouldn't have a World Series without Jerry Colangelo. So ownership be damned. Whoever has been the owner of this team, it feels like, unfortunately, that winning wasn't as much of a priority sometimes as just having a baseball team. And and look, this team does is competitive at times. They do try to do things to move the needle. I think that they've tried, kind of been patient lately and they're trying to build things the right way. This offseason scared me, honestly. I'm, I, I would rather see them not make any gigantic moves or spend all of their money on another player for the time being until they really know that they're that close. I, I could even see this team adding at the at the trade deadline and improving substantially once they know that this season is going their way a bit more right but yeah i just don't know about getting you know getting it one of these big name free agents and and spending all of this money is exactly the way to get yourself out of this scenario we've seen what the rangers are doing and you know they might prove us wrong the rangers might end up winning a world series in two seasons but as far as they're going to have to spend another another half a billion dollars. Yeah, that's the today. thing is like I get that franchise. I get they have the new building. I get what they're trying to do. I, I get the history there. They just don't seem to be doing things in a way that makes much sense. Again, baseball is just such a funny sport because you can literally pay a guy twenty million dollars a year to hit two thirty eight, where you could bring up a, a minor leaguer that'll hit two thirty nine and make five hundred thousand dollars or whatever. Right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's. Baseball, the, the difference in contracts and everything is crazy. So Yeah, you very well can be in a situation where you're paying 40 times as much to get the exact same production as another player. It really is like, that's just the way the sport works. <laughs> uh, here's some things I'm willing to trade. I would trade that bat that I beat up my chair in the office for. I would give that away happily. Um, I'm not, I know how much you value that. I so love that, that bat. I really like that bat. Um I, I I spend most of my time watering my yard in the backyard. I would I would give up my backyard and it would just be dirt and rock uh, if we could do this. But I'm not giving up what someone like Gabriel, uh, our friend Gabriel on Twitter, <laughs> is willing to give up because Gabriel said that he would trade his dog at this point, honestly. And then he went a step further. We talk about breaking news. <laughs> Sybil Ferrer is on the move to the New York Mets in exchange. Uh, for Steve Cohen and a dog to be named later, uh, from my understanding. But, you would trade Sybil? Oh, my God. Sybil? 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 Okay. Sybil. All right, we'll Great. go with Sybil. Shame this man. Shame this man. Look at how adorable that dog is. Uh, anyway. I don't think I would trade. I don't think I would trade no. my dog for much of anything, to no. be honest. So. No. Well, I don't know. Uh, I have three, <laughs> so... I have a surplus, much like the Diamondbacks yeah. do of outfielders. You have as many so. as many dogs as, uh, as the Diamondbacks do outfielders. Yeah, yeah, do they all do they all bat left handed too? Uh, yeah, unfortunately they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and none of them can close the game. Not a single yeah. one of them. So. But uh, you can close this holiday season, by the way, over at our friends at Four Peaks Brewing Company. Uh, we know the World Cup almost done, but you can still catch the games over at their 8th Street Pub, as well as giving the gift of beer this holiday season. Four Peaks still has limited supplies of their December Advent calendar box. For $55, you can enjoy specialty beers, tall boys, and more. Also, it's December 12th, so you have to drink your way through half of that uh, box already. So again, uh, that sounds like good times to me. Purchase at their 8th Street Pub in Tempe, and if you don't get to make it out there, make sure to stop by wherever you get your beers at, grab yourself some Four Peaks, and enjoy responsibly. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. And I'm sure the folks at More Furniture would love for me to trade that bat away so that they could maybe take my name off of their list. But uh, again, this holiday season, what what I know furniture doesn't sound like a great present, but try giving it to someone and see their reaction. You get your spouse a brand new uh, living room set, and you will be the hero of the holiday season. Moore's holiday clearance events is, is happening right now at morefurniture.com, and you can save up to 50% over there. All right. Well, we have some more mailbag Monday questions. We also, can I can oh. I interrupt real quick? So we have we do have a little bit more information on the Sean Murphy trade. It Let's is go. a it is a three-way deal, as suspected, that includes the Milwaukee Brewers as the third team. Um Jeff Passon's first tweet on this is is honestly like hilariously incomplete because we know that the Milwaukee Brewers are getting William Contreras, yeah. big, big asset, all-star, right? Uh, OPS plus of 138 this past year, 24 years old. That's a big time asset. And then it says Oakland is getting catcher Manny Pena, who is 35 years old <laughs> and uh, and hit 143 in 17 plate appearances this last year. Oh, so no. suffice it to say, I oh, think no. the Diamondbacks could have outbidded no. that just a little no. bit. Uh, but no. yeah, obviously we don't have all the information. No, there has here, to be so more there. there there's there definitely there's more definitely there. more to come. But it it's unfortunate how you know reporters don't necessarily get all the information right away. They I get know. like bits, and, and you only have 280 characters to yeah, deal with, so yeah. you have to kind of release it in in waves. But yeah, suffice it to say, the Oakland A's are probably getting more than Manny Pena in exchange for Sean Murphy. We'll have to see how how things uh, how things turn out. We have more breaking news in the chat comments. Bob Nightingale, according to Brett Johnson, reports that the D-backs and the Astros are engaged in trade talk for our very own Dalton Varsho. I don't know if you've heard, but that man has all the tools. So. Uh, Brett Johnson says, Bob says, the pricing, asking price remains steep, as it should. Damn it. Should be very steep. Um, all right, let's go to our next Mailbag Monday question. What do we got, Leah? Uh, Gabriel, the now dogless Gabriel, uh, bold as bronze on Twitter, asks, who on the D-back stand to benefit the most and who benefits the least from the new rules such as pitch clock, etc.? Well, I'd say that Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, and uh, uh, Alec Thomas are all going to benefit from the bigger base. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if the bigger bases themselves will do that much. Um, I think it, it's more of like a it's more of protecting guys from injuries is my understanding. Sure. And there's not necessarily a ton of evidence that, you know, like decreasing the distance between first and second base by a few inches necessarily makes a huge difference. I just think it's um, the surface area that they have to cover that a uh, player can slide in for. You know, what I mean, like, we've, yeah, we've yeah. seen the Diamondbacks tagged out at times on pretty close plays. Yeah, you know like I mean? situations like, where you're like sliding past the bag and you, and you yeah, lose the yeah, bag. Yeah, Th those yeah. situations might be might be cut down. 
the shift restrictions are going to be huge for the D-backs. And I wrote about I this so in, in this week's yep. newsletter. Uh, the D-backs will, will gain more than just about any other team. Uh, they'll be near the near the top in terms of teams that benefit uh, from the shift restrictions because they have so many left-handed hitters, right? Uh, Dalton Varsho, who, you know, we just see this report from Bob Nightingale about him uh, being rumored in trade discussions. Dalton Varsho uh, pulled the ball more than any hitter in baseball last year. His pull rate was the highest in Major League Baseball among guys who had like 450 plate appearances or something like that. So um, he's certainly going to benefit a fair amount. Jake McCarthy is going to benefit from that a lot as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, go down the list, right? Alec Thomas is going to benefit um, from the shift no longer being uh, available to teams as well. So there's a lot of benefit on that side of things. Um, the other thing that I wrote about is there's there's going to be some drawbacks here for the Diamondbacks as well in terms of the shift and that they were the best one of the best teams in baseball at shifting this last year. They gained a ton of value from their defensive shifts. Um, so, yeah, they're going to lose a lot, uh, you know, on the defense side. They're going to gain a lot on the offense side. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the as far as the base running situation goes, the fact that pitchers are now limited to two disengagements. Um, per plate appearance is going to benefit the Diamondbacks in a, in a big way as well. Um, and I wrote about that in, in last week's newsletter about how Jake McCarthy could wind up with 60 stolen bases or something silly like that just yeah. because of how these new rules are going to put the run game more in play. And the D-backs are about as well-equipped as any team in baseball to take advantage of that. What about Madison Bumgarner would like the pitch clock? Do you think he'll have any problems adapting to that? Considering I think he'll, I think he'll be okay. I think Bumgarner will be okay. He it works was relatively quickly. He's not like a super slow. I just, mean, I need to, yeah, I need to double check the numbers. Zach Gallen works very slowly with runners on base, so that will be something, something to watch. Zach Gallen benefited a lot from the shift, and he also worked very slowly with runners on base. So he might actually be one of the guys who will be. I don't want to say it'll necessarily hurt him, but he's going to be tested. He's going to have to, you know, quicken the pace a little bit with guys on base. And he's also going to have to find ways to, you know, get guys out without having so many advantages defensively. So there's a lot to break down there. The D-backs are going to be a very different team uh, one way or another, even if we don't know exactly how it looks just yet. All right, Leah, next question. Uh, Brett Lee Johnson again asks, which player are you most afraid of losing in the future? Uh, and he gave us Zach Gallen, Corbin Carroll, Dalton Varsho, or other. And this is relevant considering Dalton Varsho is now uh, very much in the mix here to be possibly traded. <laughs> I would say Corbin Carroll is the one I'm most afraid of. Um, but if I'm being honest, it's Zach Gallen because Zach Gallen is the one I feel like is imminent. Like that's the one I feel like that the Diamondbacks need to address. Corbin Carroll is yeah. going to be a part of this team for a very long time. So yeah. they, they have a while before they have to address that. Dalton Varsho is going to start getting more and more expensive as the years go on from this point going forward with his arbitration years and his amazing you know, output, like both his war, yeah. his offensive and defensive output. He's going to be expensive. So I, I don't know. The, all three of those guys are very valuable, and I, I, I'm not a fan of losing any of them. But to be honest, I guess I would say Zach Gallon is the one that I think of think of the most of this team losing yeah I think with Corbin Carroll as much as there's so much hype and he was so good in that month last year right I think you still have to kind of tap the brakes there and be like we don't really know what Corbin Carroll is yet right, right? Yeah, he's absolutely. 22 years old he played for a month and and to be fair even though his offensive numbers were really good like his batted ball data was actually quite far below average he didn't actually have a high hard hit rate 
Um, and there's some other factors there, right? I mean, being the fastest guy in baseball is certainly going to help you scoot around some of that. Um, but I don't think we saw enough in that month to be like, oh, if Corbin Carroll's not a Diamondback yeah. in seven years, this then the, the sky future. is falling, yeah, right? Yeah, right? I don't think we're there yet. We could be, right? A year from now, if he wins the Rookie of the Year, then maybe you're at that point. But uh, but yeah, Zach Gallen, I think, is probably the easy answer here for me. Um, it, it is a matter of, you know, are the Diamondbacks willing to come out and pay what it takes to bring him back? You know, with Scott Boris as the agent, there's a pretty good chance that Scott Boris is going to take Gallon to free agency, um, at which point it's going to be hard for the D-backs to outbid everyone else and uh, and bring him back. But I, I think something to keep an eye on is what does Carlos Rodon get this offseason um, in free agency? Rodon is also 30 years old, which is the age that Gallon will be when he hits free agency. I think they're at a similar point right now in terms of how they're perceived in the league. Um, but Gallon doesn't have a lot of the injury issues that Rodon has had. So if anything, Gallon's present Gallon's value will probably be higher than what Carlos Rodon's is. So look at what Carlos Rodon gets and know the Diamondbacks are probably going to have to pay more than that to bring Zach Gallon back in, in the long term. Brian in the chat says you can't lose Gallon for a draft pick, though, right? And I mean, yeah, you can't. But you never know the direction the Diamondbacks are going to go. Really what it comes down to is, like we saw earlier with Xander Bogarts, one of the criticisms there is that they got nothing for him in return and losing him on free agency is it's devastating to the franchise. Like you didn't get anything yeah. in return and you lost him. You know, that that's that's the choice that teams make. That's the choice that the Diamondbacks took when they traded Goldschmidt instead of trying to re-sign him after the season. So, uh, you know, it's it just, it's unfortunate. But, you know, Gallon, I think, is a priority for this team. I, I really do. I, I know other players, you know, can come and go. Some guys you might consider overpaying for or not wanting to overpay. That's not Gallon. Gallon is a guy that needs to remain an Arizona Diamondback. Can I say one thing with regard to the Varsho, uh, the Varsho rumors that we just heard? Yeah. I just think it's important to note that when it comes to trades, which are incredibly hard to predict, one thing you can sort of grab onto is which teams have the Diamondbacks historically made the most moves with, right? Which teams do they have a history with? You think about the one trade the Diamondbacks have made this offseason, Seattle Mariners, right? There's some history between there the are. Diamondbacks and the Seattle Mariners. There there's also some history between the Diamondbacks and the Houston Astros, That's right? right? Um, and there's name is Zach Gren- Grenke we sent over there. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And then I guess this this kind of predates Mike Hazen, but there's a lot of history between the D-backs and the Oakland A's as well. Of course, that didn't pan out, but we know there were some discussions happening there. So. So when you're thinking about what trades the Diamondbacks might make, pay a lot of attention to like, is there history here between the Diamondbacks and this team? I think it gets you a lot farther than you might think it would because a lot of times teams kind of like doing deals with the same teams over and over again. And we might we might be seeing that here. Brian Abdallah says fleece by Houston for the Zach trade. I, I don't know about that, but things aren't trending in the right direction when it yeah, comes to Yeah, no, that I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't say fleece. I wouldn't say fleece, but I, it it's not it's not turned into the big win for the D-backs no. that a lot of people kind of viewed it as is the time. It was perceived pretty well for them getting four prospects that, you know, all were pretty well regarded, but at this point Seth Beer it's kind of it's hard to say there's much of anything there. Corbin Martin is kind of fizzled out. JB Bukowskis is kind of fizzled out. At this point, it's kind of the Zach Greinke for Josh Rojas trade. Um, and Josh Rojas has turned into a solid everyday regular, but not the kind of guy that you're maybe hoping to get back, you know, for a pitcher of Zach Greinke's caliber. For sure. All right, Leah, what else we got? Uh, Josh Hunt. Ooh. Uh, he asks, winter in Washington or summer in Arizona? This one's all you, Jesse. 
Yeah, I, I feel like this is directed at you, isn't it? I, I don't know. <laughs> you you don't spent know. what a couple of couple of weeks in, yeah. in Washington yeah. in your life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, I would say winter in Washington, and frankly, it's not close. Um, summer in Arizona is is just brutal. Um, I it's do love me awful. the occasional monsoon storm. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's kind of fun when like there's a monsoon happening and it's pouring and the temperature finally drops down to 88 degrees yeah. and everyone's running around outside because it's so nice out. Uh, but yeah, winter in Washington is difficult because of the lack of sunshine. The fact that it gets dark at about 4 PM there, um, like this time of year, it is, it is rough, but also it's not as bad as people as people make it out to be. Oh, yeah. You'll still yeah. have days in January and February where it's perfectly sunny and it's like 50 degrees. And to me, there's no like even the potential of a day like that. Like you're not you're not getting anything that's remotely comfortable in a Phoenix summer. So I, I don't I don't think there's much I mean, of a comparison. I, here. I get what you're saying there. And again, it's like it's mostly the snow like snow is a problem for some people. I have a friend that's lived in Seattle for his whole but it life doesn't, and he hates snow. It doesn't snow. It doesn't snow in Seattle very much. It's very rare. Really? They have gotten they have gotten a little bit of snow uh, so far in the last couple of weeks, which is pretty rare. But yeah, I mean, the average snowfall in Seattle on an annual basis is like a few inches. It's it's really pretty rare because you have you have Puget Sound right there, and that basically makes it makes it very very difficult for it to actually get cold enough to snow. So. If it did snow a lot there, I would probably I would maybe take a Phoenix summer. Like I'd take a Phoenix summer over like a Michigan yeah. winter or yeah, something because yeah. I don't want to be shoveling snow right. all day. That, that, but. I, think, I think that's why my friend in Seattle complains about the snow because he doesn't get it often enough to be like just used to it. But when it happens, he hates it. You have a Can't friend in Washington who complains about the snow, yeah. like the two yeah. days, the two days yeah. out of the I'll year that it you. snows I'll when the that. entire city shuts down yeah. and you don't have to go to work. You yeah. don't have to go to school. You don't have to go anywhere, but basically just sit at home because nobody knows what to do there when it snows. <laughs> I find that a little bit hard to believe, but OK, I think he works from home, too. So I really don't know what he's <laughs> complaining about. But all right, let's go. What's our next question? Last question. Oh, it, it, we should just name this final question the Don's bread question because it's where his questions always end up. But uh, who do you think on the Arizona D-backs would be best at chess boxing, Jesse? I'm currently Googling what is chess boxing. You don't know what chess boxing is? Oh, my chess God. Chess boxing I'm a is huge... a hybrid sport that combines two tradi – what? It's literally it's chess, chess and, and boxing? boxing put together? Yeah. Yeah. What does that even mean? Oh, man, it's great. I'm a huge fan. Sergio Levesque in the house, multiple-time champion. Oh hey, you got to get down with some chess boxing. Basically, yes. And scientists have said that it's proven to uh, – like they study it in order to uh, find out how to like teach children and incorporate like uh, learning into like physical activities and stuff. But, yes, chess boxing. It's exactly how it sounds. You play chess and you box each other. Well, you can't do that at the same time, though. You can't do that at the same time, right? That's why there are. That's, so you, you, that's you why play it's like down in the segments. You right? each play like a few few rounds of, of chess. You each make a few moves, and then you get up and, and do some boxing. But no, here's should... the thing, though. You can also still win by knocking the other person out. So you don't have to like, you don't have to beat them necessarily in chess. You just have to beat them in one of the two games. So is it the first person to win at either of the two games? Victory by check, checkmate. Victory by knockout. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Lost by resignation in either discipline, you know, where you just tip over, give up, give up your king, call it a day. The point of the question is what what Diamondbacks player would be best at chess boxing? Um and why is it Dalton Varsho? Dalton Varsho? Yes. Why? Why? 
the man has all the tools, Jesse. Okay. That includes fighting. That includes a brain. He has all the tools. You think you think Dalton Varsha is a good chess player? I think he's a better boxer. He looks stout to me. He is. Yeah, he looks yeah. hard to knock out himself, right? Um, Low I mean, center of gravity. So I'm so not calling the man short. I would maybe say that uh, Kyle Lewis, Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks newcomer. Um, I could, I could. He's maybe, not making it out of the first round. No, Kyle Lewis is getting knocked out before he even has a chance to move a pawn. Jesse, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, he's a, he's a pretty big guy, and he's you know cerebral. Uh, I, I could, I could maybe see, I could maybe see Kyle Lewis being good at chess. Yeah. I don't know. How do you judge whether a baseball player is good at chess or not? Like Zach Gallon's good at chess because be he's like the brainiest person boxing. on the team. They have to be good at both. It's not just one. It's both. I don't. Mad I just Mad Bum's the right answer. Mad Bum's always the answer. Mad Bum's the right answer. Which I feel like we we try to avoid Mad Bum at this point because he's the answer to every single one of these you're questions. Just, you're immediately disqualified from the contest <laughs> if you suggest Mad Bum or Josh Rojas. We know that's the answer here, of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, of course, another crazy question from you, sir. Uh, we thank you guys so much for your questions. Thank you guys so much for being here. Of course, if you haven't done so already, make sure to sign up on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Get yourself some free money if you're a new customer. Download the app now. Sign up with code PHNX. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, and you will get $150 of free bets if they do. That's code PHNX only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. She know, see show notes for deal, details. Jesse, I broke my own rule, and I bet on the Suns against the Pelicans for some reason. Mm. Uh, and then they came back, and then they went into overtime, and then they lost. So not not thrilled about that. So I'm, I'm back on the stop betting on the Suns train on money line bets for a little while. So there's, there's my advice to you guys. But, of course, Jesse is still researching right now who the Astros could possibly give the Arizona yeah, Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll we'll definitely circle back to this. Yeah, um, we ain't done with this one for sure. I, I will say it's interesting just at, at first glance. I'm on BaseballTradeValues.com, which is uh, we've talked about. It's like Major League Baseball trade machine, basically. The only Astros player that they have as high a value as Dalton Varsha. There's actually two of them. It's Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. Those are the only two players on the Astros in the entire organization who have as much or more value as Dalton Varsho. Um, so this, I mean, it's interesting. Like if you if the Diamondbacks come to the Astros and ask for Jeremy Pena, right? Pretty big name. Did some did some big things in the postseason. That's not a ridiculous ask. That's yeah. actually a pretty fair. It's, it's actually not. Yeah, it's actually like yeah. the D-backs could ask for Jeremy Pena plus something else. Like a minor know, leaguer. Like maybe a minor leaguer. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty decent ask. I don't necessarily know that Jeremy Pena is the, the best fit. But just so you have a gauge of like like how valuable Dalton Varsho is on the trade market. Like that that's the level that we're that we're talking about here. Michael in the comments says there's going to be a major D-backs trade as soon as you two sign it's off. It's inevitable. It is inevitable. inevitable. Yeah. yeah. yeah if there's good. if there's a major trade, maybe we do an emergency pod yeah. at that point, even though out. you're already sick of us from, from the last hour. No, but. somebody was walking their dog. <laughs> I think it was Spencer Ogari. He said he needed more time to walk his dog. Okay. It's cold outside, so we're giving it to you. We're trying to do everything we can to give you as much time uh, for things to warm up. He said, just promised my dog we would go to the park after your show, but it's cold. So I just, episode I love the, the visual of like making promises to your dog. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tweeted out the other day. I actually whisper about the dog's presence in front of them when I'm talking to my wife about them. So, uh, you know, we love our dogs. What can we say? Except, except for Gabriel. Except for Gabriel, <laughs> who obviously doesn't love his dog. But anyway, maybe he just loves this organization more than he loves his dog. That's what I'm going to leave off with. But uh, in the meantime, you can... Follow us on Twitter and we can discuss this breaking trade inevitably when it happens. I'm at cap underscore caveman with a K. 
Jesse is at Jesse and Friedman. Our show is at PHNX underscore D-backs. But, of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We thank you guys again for your questions and for being here in the chat. On behalf of Leah, Jesse, and myself, we always appreciate your time. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun if the Yankees would just take Tatis out of the NL West. Please. <laughs>